Paul writes, Paul writes, I am speaking to you, Gentiles. That's us. We're the people who aren't Jewish, in case you hadn't noticed. I'm speaking to you, Gentiles, Paul says. You, a wild olive shoot, were wild branches grafted in, which means we're now part of that family of God because God has grafted us and adopted us so that we might share in the rich root of the olive tree, which is the family of God and the covenant of God, which is rooted in God. And the promise of salvation and the covenantal relationship that God has with the Jewish people. See, they are the ripe old olive tree, and we're just that little wild shoot. We're the wild shoot that got grafted in so that the old branches and the new branch are all, all part of one and the same great tree. Paul says, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root that supports you. God is the root. So do not become proud. We kind of do that sometimes. We think, hey, we're the ones. We've got the truth. We've got the faith. We know the way. Don't become proud, he says, but stand in awe. Stand in awe as what has been given and granted to you. Now, Paul's Gentile Christian converts are feeling superior, kind of proud of their faith. And they are convinced that they are better than the Jewish people who have not become followers of Jesus. Now, that's not all the Jewish people because uh, most of the early church was made up of Jewish people who are still Jewish people who also are followers of Jesus, who's a Jewish guy, by the way. So many Christians in our time, I think, do the same thing. We act like Jesus came, right? And he threw out everything in the Old Testament, and then he established a new covenant with us, and that God has thrown the old covenants out like yesterday's smelly fish. But that's not how God rolls. That is not how God works in the world. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, Paul says. He reminds us that the Jewish people are still God's chosen people and that we're fortunate enough to have gotten grafted in to that ancient tree. That we should give thanks to them and be grateful to them that we are a part of the covenant that God made with them. That Jesus was Jewish. He was still Jewish when he died. He was a shoot from the tree of Jesse. He didn't become a Christian. We forget that. Jesus did not become a Christian. He never called himself a Christian. Never occurred to him to call himself a Christian. And the apostles were all Jewish too. And they died Jewish too. And they didn't convert to Christianity either. And they didn't become Christians when they followed Jesus or when Jesus died or even on Easter. And the early church in that first decade after Jesus' resurrection was a Jewish church. It was just another Jewish denomination, like we have Methodists and Presbyterians and Reformed and Lutherans of various persuasions. They are all still people of the covenant that God made with Noah and Abraham and Moses. The God who said, I will never again seek to wipe you from the face of the earth, 
I will show you the way and give you a land flowing with milk and honey, and your descendants will be more numerous than the, the grains of sand. The God who said, you will be my people, and I will be your God. Jesus is even a fulfillment of a promise that God gave to Isaiah for the Israelites. The promise was, I chose you to bring justice and am here at your side, and I selected you and sent you to bring light and my promise of hope to the nations. Isaiah 42, it was the same mission statement that Jesus took for himself when he said, I'm here to free the captives and give sight to the blind and heal the lame and you know, cause the lame to walk and free the captives and preach good news to the poor. He's the fulfillment of a promise given to the Jewish people because the Jews are God's people for whom the gifts and the calling of revocable, Paul says. God break covenants. God's promises stand firm, all of them. God doesn't dump the Jewish people and choose us instead. And Paul says we should be really, really, really grateful that God is faithful because if God was willing to dump the Jewish people, well then, who's to say God wouldn't dump us? But that's not how God rolls, thank heaven. Once God saves you, you're saved forever. No matter how much we might misbehave, we remain God's children. The God of Israel once said to the Jewish people, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I mean, most of the story of God's people is about people who turn their backs on God, break the covenant, don't keep up their end of the bargain, forget God exists, and God yet in the Old Testament and the New Testament and today is always the one standing there with outreached hands yearning for this wayward people, never failing us. It's not because Israel demonstrated great faith or fidelity. They didn't. That's not why they're God's chosen people. They're God's chosen people because God has demonstrated and will demonstrate fidelity to them. The same thing is true for us, right? We're not saved because we deserve it. Sometimes we like to think so, but no. We're not saved because we deserve it. We're saved because God is good. God is so good. God loves us. God has promised to be there for us. God has promised to save us. God has said, you're going to be my people. You're grafted in. And so Paul asks the congregation in Rome, has God rejected his people? Hell no. That's really what Paul says. All of Israel will be saved, Paul declares and will experience full inclusion in God's salvation. Now, ironically, in the days of the early church, the question wasn't whether or not Jewish people could be saved. Although I get asked that a lot today. Oh my gosh, the ones who haven't known Jesus yet, are they all perished? No, no, they got the other covenants. No, the question in the early church was whether you and I could be saved. We were the Gentile pagans. We were not part of the promise. And, and we were hearing the preaching of God, and we were starting to follow Jesus, 
And it was causing this disruption. You know, people were saying, well, is that okay? I mean, can they be let in? Um, they're pagans. You know, and in the case of today's gospel story, you got Jesus who takes a vacation to another area, Tyre and Sidon. He goes where nobody's Jewish and nobody will know him. And he thinks, okay, I'm safe. I can have a little R&R. &R. I'll lay on the beach. You know, maybe I'll have a Mai Tai, whatever they did back then. And, and all of a sudden, there's this Gentile pagan. Canaanite, the Canaanites were historic enemies of the Jewish people, okay? Canaanite woman, following them all through town. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy. My God has a demon. And it's annoying, you know? And the disciples, I mean, the apostles were like, you know, tell her to go away and be quiet, and she's bothering us. And Jesus doesn't even recognize her as one of God's children right at first. He thinks, I'm sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I'm Jewish. I'm here to fulfill God's promise to the Jewish people. I'm here, I'm here to save the Jew, my, my people. But she persists. She goes on, I'll take the crumbs. I'll take the crumbs from the kids' table. And it's such an act of faith because she recognizes just a crumb of God's grace is sufficient. One crumb. We don't need a lot. We'll take the crumbs. We'll take the crumbs from the master's table. And Jesus says, great is your faith. And immediately her daughter is healed. Crumbs are enough. It doesn't matter. It's all perfection, regardless of whether it's you're part of the original tree or you're just kind of that puny little branch that got grafted on late. We are her descendants in the faith. As Gentiles, we're the dogs. But she is right, and great is our faith. We're the branch, the wild shoot, and now that God has adopted us, we are also heir of all the promises that God has ever given in the past and the ones given through Jesus to us and all those promises that are continuing to be offered to us because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Christianity is another branch of God's great big tree of grace. Are there going to be other people on the tree? It looks like it. We might not know who they are. We can't fathom how it's going to work out. Paul wrestles and wrestles and wrestles in the letter to the Romans trying to figure out why wouldn't some of the Jews understand Jesus the way he does? What, you know, why why isn't it obvious to them too? What would be the purpose of they, their minds are blocked? Why would God block their minds? Oh, maybe it's because if they don't get on board right away, then that gives all the rest of us time to hear the good news and become followers of Jesus too. And then they'll all get it in the end. And then he says, you know, but I don't, God's ways are not our ways. It's all a mystery. But I know this, God is good. What will happen to our Jewish friends and family who aren't followers of Jesus. Will they be saved? On the other hand, Matthew's congregation is wrestling with the question, can the people who aren't Jewish be saved, but who follow Jesus be saved? Can you and I be part of that salvation? How wide, Paul asks, is God's mercy? Are the Jewish people saved, whether they follow Jesus or not? Hell yes, Paul says. 
And we who are not Jesus, Jewish, but followers of Jesus, well, yeah, you're also God's people, he says. By baptism, we are adopted. We're grafted in to the tree of God's grace. And today, we might be asking ourselves, well, though, but what about our friends and family members who've never followed Jesus? What about the people who really wrestle with faith? Maybe it's us, right? We're sitting here, and we're still not really convinced, and we're not really sure, and it's not really, you know... We, we want to have this faith that we think other people have and it just seems to elude us. Or maybe it's our children or our siblings who grew up in the church and maybe at one time proclaimed the faith and then rejected the faith handed down to him, them and now say, I don't know, we don't believe. We're agnostics, we're, you know, we're atheists, we're, I don't know, we just don't care. What will become of people who have lost their faith or who never had it. Is God's grace enough for them? Paul says all people dwell in disobedience. <laughs> you're worried about their faith, but you're disobedient in faith too. And yet God has you. However God works, and for whatever reasons God works, God works so that God can be merciful to all people, Paul says. God's ways aren't our ways. Maybe their unbelief is just part of the plan. I not understand how everything's going to work out, but God will see to it, and it's a mystery. Does unfaithfulness nullify our salvation? No. Jews who haven't understood or accepted the gospel are still under the promise. Our family members who have left the faith and no longer believe reject the church, but the promises of God in baptism still stand, for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And it is God's intention to save all people. As God said to the house of Israel, my house shall be a house of prayer for all peoples. God is not leaving anybody behind. And God can be trusted forever. So why practice the faith? Why bother to come to church? Why follow Jesus? Why do any of that stuff? Why make an effort at all? Because following Jesus brings joy. Being in church makes a difference. We feel better. Because Jesus brings joy and peace and life. We are happier. We are more contented. Our lives have more purpose, more meaning as we follow Christ. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, Paul writes. How unsearchable are God's judgment. How inscrutable are God's ways. For who has known the mind of God? Or who has been God's counselor? Or who has given a gift to the Lord to receive the gift in return? For from the Lord and through the Lord and to the Lord are all things. To God be the glory forever. Amen. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony 